Hey everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Be The Man podcast. Thank you for joining in. I am Casey Cornelius, your host, tour guide, and today I get the distinct honor of interviewing a new friend. Uh, But before that, I do want to say thank you for your continued support, for checking in, for having good, critical, meaningful conversations around the topic of healthy masculinity. Please feel free to engage with me on any social media channel. You can find me, Casey J. Cornelius, or you can look at KCJFCFL. I always appreciate it, and I appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day. So I want to introduce you to a new friend of mine. His name is Callum Brown. Uh, He's a student at Queens University in Charlotte, and he and I first became connected at an event a couple of months ago in Indianapolis called AFLV Central. Uh, That's the Association for Fraternal Leadership and Values. And the Central Conference uh, is in Indianapolis every year. And there's like 3,500 to 4,000 fraternity and sorority leaders from across the country. And they come in one spot, one time, and it's just an incredible event. It's um, kind of beyond words if you've never seen uh, that that large of a group of, of student leaders at one time. It's really, really inspiring. Uh, unfortunately, Callum had the, uh, the uh, opportunity to hear me speak at the event. And uh, we have a, a mutual friend, his, his mentor and advisor on his campus. And uh, I've been hearing more and more about the work that he's been doing around the idea of uh, healthy masculinity, especially as it relates to mental health. And I, I just needed to connect with him. So we, we had a conversation recently and I said, I need to bring you on the, the podcast I need for people to hear from from you and from your perspective, because I think it's really cool um, the, the the work he's doing. So I I do want to go ahead and, and bring him in here, and uh, and and share a little bit of his journey and his story as well. So Callum, come on in. Thank you for uh, for joining the podcast. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Casey. Oh man. So so let's let's start at the beginning. So you are originally from Florida. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. From West Palm. Okay, so um, Calum and I have something in common that that, uh, that came up in our initial conversation uh, that I think probably neither of us are completely proud of, um, <laughs> at least not our parents, probably. Uh, but uh, but Calum, tell me about your, your high school journey. You were probably a really good student in high school. Uh, yeah, uh, high school was pretty rough. Um, I think I finished with a 2.3... GPA. Uh, I set uh, a record for the lowest freshman GPA in the school's history. Um, And uh, at a 1.9. And, you know, I was told that, you know, college wasn't going to work out for me. And my guidance counselor consistently told me to not even really bother uh, to try and find something else to do. Um, You know, so not motivating, not motivational stuff, by any means. Uh, So high school was pretty rough. So while I didn't have a 1.9, I I graduated with a 2.1 GPA, and uh, and like Callum, my I had the uh, the college isn't for everyone chat. Uh, he he decided. Correct me if I'm wrong in this. You do, decided though to take a little bit of time off, take a little bit of a gap year, mm-hmm. and, and kind of make some decisions about whether or not college really was the appropriate next step for you. Um, but in the process, it led you to, to Queens University uh, in Charlotte, correct? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And what was it about what was it about Queens that, that got you? I think uh, for me, it was the the size of the school. My high school, you know, was a, you know academics wasn't my strong point, 
in high, in that time in my life, but realizing the, that having small classes and, and getting to know tons of people really helped me get through high school because uh, I had little support groups, you know, whether it was on the small sports teams or whatever. So I was really looking for a small college uh, where I could have, you know, 15 close friends that I could bounce back and forth from and spend a lot of time and get really close to them because um, that makes getting into college so much easier because when you go to some of these big schools, you know, you're a new person every single day and it's harder to keep tabs on all of them, you know. So for me, it was really just the size of the school. I think we have like 1,700 kids. Um, that was really the, the biggest deciding point for me. Right. No, that's that's awesome. Um, so so similar in, in backgrounds, um, you discovered early in your, your college career fraternity, right? Um, yes. And from, from what I remember of your story, and correct me if I'm wrong, fraternity wasn't something that you planned to do in college. You didn't, you didn't plan to join a fraternity. Is that correct? Absolutely correct. Okay. So what, what, like, how did your story begin there? So, um, I had been reading a lot at that time when I was just about to come to college over the summer, there had been some stuff that had happened in, in some of the fraternities and it became, you know, public news, uh, national news. And, you know, I was just thinking like what, what would I want to do or how would I handle myself if I was in a fraternity? And it kind of got me thinking like, you know, I knew there was, you know, Greek life on, at, at Queens. And I was like, you know, maybe, you know, in, at some point I might want to, you know, join because, you know, I think that joining one of these things, getting involved, you can help dictate sort of how you guys are seen and how you're perceived because they just constantly got a bad reputation and so my reason to join was to, to get involved so that we could try and get rid of the, the stereotypical frat guy um, stigma that was on fraternities. And um, I think that at Queens, you know, when they reached out, the Alpha Tau Omega fraternity, when they reached out to me, I was really excited because I was given the, you know, I was, you know, given the opportunity to, to get working and get started on, on what I envisioned. So one of the things that, that strikes me about, about your journey is, is this. So a lot of men that I talk to across the country join fraternities because of the perception of, you know, fun and parties and being around uh, girls and, and, you know, the, the friendships and all that other kind of stuff. But from from your perspective, you saw some of the negative image and negative stereotypes that are being portrayed and actively decided to join in order to help el- eliminate and alleviate that on your campus. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So, I mean... Honestly, that's I, I wish we could um, we could bottle that and and, uh, and and give it to people across the country, right? Because I think it would help eliminate some of the some of the issues that chapters and, and communities are facing. But to to know coming in that you wanted to be uh, a change agent, you wanted to be a, a positive influence. Was that was that uh, a difficult decision to come to, or did it just kind of come natural to you? Absolutely naturally. Okay. Um, I didn't even really think twice about it, um, to be honest. 
it was just a very like, oh, this is this is what we're gonna do when we, or when or if we get involved, you know. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. So now that you've you've been involved, you're you're a sophomore. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and you're going to these, these national events and, and you're, you're networking with, with folks all across the country. I, I understand though, that you have some goals on your own campus and maybe one day even larger than your own campus around the topic of, of healthy masculinity and mental health. So, you know, talk, talk to folks a little bit about what your goals are and, and, um, and how they can learn more about it. Yeah. So I, uh, recently started, um, a little Instagram page slash title of my kind of bit, I suppose, uh, called Mental Health Matters. And basically... With a focus on men, right? Like mental health matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Men capitalized in quotes. Gotcha. Um, So I thought that was pretty witty. And basically the the goal for me there is to sort of just provide um, a better... My vision for it is how can we kind of break the societal pressures that men face um, on a daily basis? How do we get them to get a little bit more vulnerable and, you know, come to terms with some of these things that, that I, cause I've come across in my own life, you know, on playing on sports teams and stuff like that. So, you know, all the stuff that I sort of talk about is all stuff that I've experienced as well. So I feel really comfortable talking about this with other men, you know, for me, if I can come up and, and express what that has done to me, uh, being around some of this, you know, toxic masculinity stuff, um, you know, might allow other men to kind of join me and open up, and they can get their friends to do the same. So, you know, sort of that like waterfall effect of you know, one person kind of starts it and says, look, this is what has happened to me from being on a sports team, losing my sports and then not knowing what where my worth was, and then how do I, you know, come out of that and find an outlet for it. Talk to me a little bit about your sports background. So so the idea of your identity being tied to sports. Yeah, so I play I played soccer and golf since I was three years old. And wow. I joined a travel soccer team at age seven. So I started playing very competitive um, soccer you know, travel the country, all that stuff. It was awesome, amazing, and a lot of really good lessons that I learned from it. But some of the the downsides, once you, because at some point you have to stop playing travel soccer, but you identify your entire entire, uh, childhood, middle school, high school as a soccer player. Mm -hmm. And then when, you know, you get cut from a team or you're not good enough to play for the team or your team just, you know, disappears because everyone gets old, you're like, well, I'm not a soccer player. Who am I? Because I don't have a soccer team, so I can't be a, a soccer player anymore. You know, everyone knew me as that, that guy. Right. Um, and then, you know, I'm, you get depressed. Um, that's what it was like for me. You know, I didn't know, you know, who do I hang out with now? Like, you know, as guys, we like to find groups of guys. That's why we have fraternities, because you hang out with other guys. And it's an amazing experience. So, you know, I had or three years where I didn't have a soccer team of guys to hang out with and hang out with four times a week um, until I found fraternity. So that was a huge positive. But you do find yourself in this awkward gray area before you can even find Greek life where you're like, who am I? I don't even know what I'm doing. And then 
that has a ripple effect in the rest of your life. So then your relations with your friends and your family kind of deteriorate because you you kind of lost who you were as well, you know? Yeah. So one of the things that, that comes up a lot in the work that I do, and, you know, I, you read about stuff across the country, and I, I've been in a few myself, and that's the idea of, like, locker room talk, right? And um, I, I think at the, at the heart of many of the issues that we face is, is this perception of locker room talk and guys being guys. And mm-hmm. what, what's your response to that? As, as someone who, who grew up in those, those locker rooms and, and now in a fraternity, like what, what's, what's your response to that, that, uh, that perception? I think, um, one, it, it's an excuse to, to just say, oh, like locker room talk, you know, it's definitely a scapegoat, uh, from just admitting that you're saying things that shouldn't be said. And I think when you're involved in a fraternity or a sports team and, you know, you take notice of, oh, wow, like, you know, some of these kids say X and, you know, that word I don't really like, but they say it a lot. You know, I think it's your responsibility to acknowledge that and then set your line and set your limit and then, you know, call them out on it in a respectful way to say, hey, you know what, I'm not really uh, okay with that word being said. Would you mind not, you know, saying it, uh, at least around me? And so, you know, you've guaranteed that if they respect your wishes that, you know, five times a week they're saying it less. And, you know, that could, again, lead to them saying it less in general because if they respect you as a teammate and a friend, then they're going to take that to heart. You know, I... I... I think you're absolutely right. I think it's something that I, I've experienced personally as well as you, when you call people out on uh, something, using a word, using a phrase, some attitude that, that they're expressing. I think what I have found, and you can tell me if this has been your experience too, is that, you know, eight, nine times out of 10, first of all, there's this level of shock, like, oh my, oh my God, I've never thought about that. Uh, but mm-hmm. then some level of realization that, Okay, if if we respect each other and I'm challenging you on this in a respectful way, I'm not it's not like I'm attacking you. I'm I'm treating you with the respect that you deserve, but I'm asking you to reflect and change your your behaviors or your pattern on this one thing. I have found the vast majority of the time people being receptive to that. What what about you? Absolutely. Um absolutely. Uh I've had that happen a few times. Um, growing up, you know, I'd have a teammate say something, um, you know, a derogatory comment, and, uh, and I'm like, hey, like, you know, that's not, you know, that's not, not cool, but it's, it's certainly not cool. Would you mind not saying that anymore? You know, maybe just sort of, you know, just stop saying that in general. Like, I think you might offend people if someone else was in the room. Um, and, you know, they're, like you just said, like, they're taken back a little bit. Like, oh, my gosh, like, I've never had anyone challenge me. Right. And be like, hey, look, that's not okay to say. You know, never, no one's ever done that. Because um, they only say it around their friends like they're saying it around family. Because um, there's that comfort, you know, level where you, as a guy, you just get comfortable with your friends. So you can just sort of feel like you can say whatever. Sure. Um, yeah, so it's definitely, it, the, the first step you should always take is to definitely, like, set your limit. And then just make sure that you challenge them in a respectful way. Because it does work. Right. 
No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Let, let me pause for just a second. So, so Callum, so people can find you specifically on Instagram at Mental Health Matters. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. There's underscore after men and toll. Um, it's like broken up into three separate little words. Gotcha. Excellent. So I'll, I will make sure to put that in the uh, the show notes as well. For, for those of you listening, you're going to see it in the notes. Uh, and that would be a good way to, to connect with Callum. So so talk a little bit about what your goals are. So I know that you've you've begun developing some uh, some programming for your peers around some of these ideas. What What's like... What's your big long-term goal? I think the, the big long-term goal is to find a way to get momentum in this topic of uh, becoming vulnerable with your friends. And like the way I see it is, is a ripple effect where you're, we get the ball rolling a little bit and then those people that, that uh, we can influence and we can get, like, thinking on the same page. Like, oh, it's okay to, to feel like, you know, I want to cry right now because of whatever. You know, my dog died and my friend's right. around, and I'm upset, like, to be okay with your feelings. So to get the ball rolling there and to get the momentum where we can get more and more people feeling, like men specifically, obviously, getting them on the same page with, okay, this is how I'm feeling, this is okay, and getting that going, because I was thinking about this the other day, where there's there's no, it's hard to, you know, rate, like, oh, we're being successful at this. So in the way I see it is we know we're being successful and we know we're changing the minds of these young men when more and more men are feeling like they are okay talking about their feelings to their friends. And, you know, how many conversations are we having with our, our close close friends uh, within our fraternities, within our sports teams, just within our circles, and are we opening up, and are we telling, having like those not surface level conversations, getting really deep um, with those people around us. Um, I think the more and more we see that, you know, I'll know within my fraternity when I hear my brothers come up to me and they want to talk to me. Right. Um, I've only had one so far, and there's 15 more that hopefully will come up to me before I end my, you know, uh, experience here. Yep. So I think once I've reached the 15, I'll, I'll know that, that, is, that we're, we're being successful at getting these men to sort of just, just change their thinking a little bit. Um, I think that that's the long-term goal is setting the tone and, and getting people on the same page, getting people on, on board with that vision, and seeing how far that can take us. Man, I love it. I mean, I on a selfish level, we need more guys like you out there who are willing to, to start these critical conversations, uh, to, to hold ourselves and others accountable, um, and, and to know that there's both short-term and long-term impact for your actions. Uh, it's, it's really, really a great thing. I, I guess I want to ask you a question that if I were a listener right now, I would be wondering, and that is, Okay, let's say um, my, my friend is engaging in some destructive behavior, saying things that's troubling to me, or I know he's having an issue that, that he's not dealing with. How, how would you go about um, challenging him to, to even start the conversation? What, what, what would you do? 
the first thing that I would do would be uh, I would ask him, I'd shoot him a text, and I'd say, hey, do you want to go and grab some food? Um, I would, I found that taking guys to go get food is the easiest way to get them to talk. Amen to that. <laughs> just, just listen, hard stop. Everybody hear this. If you want us to talk, let's lead with food. Yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so take them, you know, take them to McDonald's at 11 at night or something. Um, I always found that good conversations come later at night anyways. Sure. Uh, especially with food. And, you know, take that, take that buddy out and start off with basic conversation. How's your day going? How's your week going? And keep asking simple questions, and then these questions will lead to the underlying stuff that's going on because they'll come out and say it on their own. You won't even need to, to ask, are you, like, are you doing okay in the sense, like, you know, do you need help? You know, just allow them to feel comfortable with you. Uh, I found that that's the best way to do it. And, you know, just sitting in the car eating burgers is – you're going to feel comfortable. You're going to feel safe. And that person is going to feel like, okay, I can, I think I can trust this person. You let me tell you what's going on. Right. And then you can handle that from there. Cause you know, maybe it's more serious than you thought. Um, maybe it's less serious than you thought and they just were having a bad week. Um, you'll be able to better judge. Okay. Now you might need to go see someone else or I think we can handle this and you can handle this. You know, I'm here to support you. That's that's beautiful. I you know I'm I'm envisioning that type of conversation, and my feeling is, and and you can you can tell me how you respond to this. My feeling is all too often guys ask one question, but but never follow it up. Like you doing okay? Like everything good? And of course, our initial reaction is typically, oh yeah, everything's fine because we've been taught yeah. our entire life to have everything under control and be okay. But like you're saying, the the more that you engage in that conversation, the deeper you go and the more questions that you ask, if if there's trust between you, those issues will unearth themselves. Is is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, know, you just sort of listen to what they have to say about the basics and before you know it, they're gonna start, you know, pouring things out to you that you never even asked. Um, but you're willing to listen, of course. But you're just allowing them that space to get vulnerable, to get comfortable, to express how they're feeling. And because um, I just did this a few weeks ago with one of my friends, and the conversation we, we were just going to get food for 30 minutes, and it turned into a two and a half hour conversation about how sports negatively negatively affected, um, you know, his growing up in high school, and how he too, didn't feel comfortable and he didn't feel like he had a place after sports treated him poorly. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing to be able to, to share with someone and feel like, yeah, I can tell you this and I can tell you what went wrong and how that made me feel. That's awesome. No, I, Callum, you're, I, I feel like you're on exactly the right path. I feel like that you have uh, precisely the right mission. Uh, talk to us just a little bit about uh, the, the program that you're developing and, um, and, and what your hopes are for it. Yeah, so for Mental Health Matters, my, my, I mean, I, my dream, my dream vision would be 
to, to get this on uh, traveling nationally, getting into the college and getting in colleges, getting into conferences, uh, getting wait, well, to, hold on, hold on a second. You tell me you want to be a speaker? <laughs> Maybe. Oh man, so I didn't know that I was hyping competition here. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that. You know, I mean, with I mean, you're the you're, you're obviously a, an inspirational person in this in this particular field. So, you know, to get this this conversation started in more places and even just on my campus, and to maybe get one guy in a room to be like, I'm I'm with you 100, percent and to get that person to do the same thing, and to you know get the word around as much as possible. Well, I love it, man. Whether you're you're one day competition or or not, um, I'm I'm a fan. I'm going to be rooting for you. And um, the the truth is, we need more men on our campuses in our communities who are undertaking what you are undertaking. And I'm not just saying it. The idea of breaking the stereotypes, the idea of uh, uh, challenging the status quo, but also uh, being empathetic to one another and um, uh, encouraging one another to be to be better and to be the best versions of themselves. It's that's exactly um, it's exactly what my goal is, and it's exactly what you're doing on on an everyday basis. Uh, and and I'm just forever going to be a fan and rooting for you. Well, that means a lot to me. Thank you very much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for joining. Hey, listen, everybody. Uh, there are good people out there who are doing important work. You might not have heard Callum's name before now, Callum Brown, but you are going to hear um, about the things that he's doing now and into the future. I'm committed to having these type of conversations, sharing great ideas, um, and and stealing ones that that come through as well. So I'm going to put his contact information in today's show notes. I hope you listen, share, like, ask questions, use the hashtag #BeTheMan, hashtag #BeTheMan. Uh, and, and continue to engage in this conversation, both with your friends and your communities and your chapter houses and your teams, wherever it is, and, uh, and keep doing good, important work. So until next time, I appreciate you. Thank you for joining, and we'll talk soon.